Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I am joined as always by Matt Chamberlain. How, how are you doing, Matt? Uh, I'm just here for the best part of my week. The NBA podcast that uh, we try really hard at. That's the best part of your week? Trying. <laughs> Trying. <laughs> Man, some crazy stuff has happened since we podcast last. Man, it's like we, I swear, the fin- the moment we like hit the finish button, just <laughs> crap hits the fan. Everywhere, it's just like, yeah, news dumps. That's what it was. It was just a whole That's bunch exactly of news dumps. Anyway, before we get into talking about our favorite parts of the NBA, uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, rate and review us on whatever platform you prefer, and we would much appreciate that. Matt, what happened in episode 24 for people who missed it? So we talked about the race for the last playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. That was between Miami, Charlotte, Orlando, um, talking about the potential teams and matchups. We talked about how Ernie Grunfeld got outed in Washington, no longer running things there. Finally. And so, yeah, finally. And some other intriguing front office openings. Uh, we hit on a little bit of NCAA news with Jerry Stackhouse leaving the Memphis Grizzlies to go be the head coach at Vanderbilt, as well as just touched on the national championship game, what we are looking forward to in that. And then our main topic was kind of looking back at the beginning of the year, our award predictions, how that went well, how that didn't go so well, um, who we thought would make the playoffs, and what it was looking like now. And then we got to our games of the week. So my game of the week, ride or die, was Charlotte Orlando. I had Charlotte winning 118 to 113 and getting into the playoffs. That didn't happen. And neither thus, of those things happened. And neither happened. And thus Kimba might be packing his bags from the state of North Carolina because the Magic won 122 to the Hornets 114. So I predicted a five-point Charlotte win. Turned out to be a Magic eight-point win. And then Ryan's game of the week, he predicted Oklahoma City would win 120 to Houston's 115. And thanks to a, a clutch bucket from PG. I, I, I still have no idea how the Thunder won that game. Like, I watched that game, and I'm, I was floored. And it is such an important game, too, like with Western Conference seeding. Man, that, knocked the, that ended up knocking the Rockets down to the four seed. And now, assuming they win their first-round matchup, they might have to play Golden State or the Clippers in the second <laughs> round. So, again, Thunder beat the Rockets 112-111 in Ryan's game of the week. What a game. What what a couple last like last week of the season. Like actually some important games going I'll on. I'll say I love it when that's actually the case and we're not just resting everybody. No no load management in that last week. Everyone was playing. Um, some news this week. Matt, I don't know if you've heard of this uh, Magic Johnson guy. Who? <laughs> <laughs> but uh Right before the Lakers' last season of the game, he held a press conference that no one knew about, including Jeannie Buss, the owner of the team. <laughs> including Rob Palenka, who was out in the hallway with him. <laughs> the GM of the team. And LeBron James, the new president of the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers, had no idea that Magic Johnson was uh, stepping down from his post. As to tweet the, more. To tweet more. To uh, be an ambassador of the game, I suppose. Sure. <laughs> um... I, I'm I'm bad like I like I, I told you this off air 
when we saw each other last, but it felt like a middle school breakup that we were <laughs> witnessing on, like, kind of live television. Like, it was, like, happening on Twitter. Like, reporters were like, yeah. what is happening right now? Like, literally, like, people are coming out of, like, the hallway being like, hey, what's Magic doing? Everyone's like... He's quitting. <laughs> and, like, players, like, didn't even know. No. Like, they they were warming, going back and forth between the locker room and, like, the press room. And we're like, what's happening? Someone, I guess LeBron just retired. Like, Rondo was quoted as, like, oh, LeBron must have just retired. Like, he literally thought that's what that was happening because of just how of a panic and madness this was with all the reporters just swarming around Staples Center. Like, how do you not tell your boss you're about to quit? Well, the fact that, like, they had a three-hour meeting the day before, apparently, and, you know, yeah, he, of course, probably said, like, I'm considering it, or, you know, this GM job is a lot harder than I thought it would be, but, yeah, the fact that you don't tell your boss you're quitting, like, it's, the, like, version to me is, like, when I remember in the office when Dwight started working at Staples, and he, <laughs> he just walks out, <laughs> and he just rips the Staples shirt off, and, yeah, and he's like, ah, I'm out. And so that's just kind of like I, I viewed here for Matt Johnson. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. And he just leaves. Like, it's the most insane scenario. Like, no average human being could get away with. But it's Magic Johnson. I've kinda, Lakers. I kind of got a theory about this. Okay. I, I kind of think that that, that three-hour meeting, they gave Magic Johnson the option to do what he did. Because, like, Jeannie Buss tweeted about it, like, halfway through this. Yeah three hour long press conference that he had or what however long it felt that way um and he was like best to magic johnson it was like i know like publicly you would want to put on that face but i wonder if they said like hey step down or we're gonna fire you and he just yeah. decided to step down yeah do it your way do it the showtime way because that was the ultimate like showtime press <laughs> give me all the attention way of doing it that yeah. really was he this was, was the same night as Dwayne Wade and Dirk's last game and yeah. like that overshadowed everything oh by a country mile yeah no Magic Johnson if he what he wanted to do is just kind of put himself back out there and being a quote-unquote ambassador then he did it he put himself out there everyone's looking at him now like it, it works but for the Lakers like this doesn't work. <laughs> you you are left with a pretty sizable gap here to fill in your front office. I also kind of wonder if like he was trying to pre protect Rob Polinka, like for whatever Maybe. reason. Like, I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast. Like Luke Walton, like they mutually quote unquote mutually parted ways. No, they didn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that was what, another reason Magic like decided to resign. He didn't want to like fire people. Like, buddy. You took this job, like you know, you know what it means to be a president, like of this massive well, what, franchise. Did you think you got the job, the right people were hired, and so everything's gonna be hunky dory and nothing's ever gonna go wrong? Like, is that what you expected? Wrong. Because that's not what happens in the NBA. <laughs> this is like the craziest league. Yeah, I don't like. I just feel like I don't know. Like we've talked about it in the past. Like it's not Luke Walton's fault why this roster sucks. Like why they oh. didn't make the playoffs, and like. Maybe it was like, I can just step down and maybe protect Rob. Yeah. Maybe. I, is Rob really that much worth protecting? And <clears throat> as someone who like didn't really know Magic Johnson though, like he was Kobe's agent. That was right. Rob Polinka's thing. Like, did he really know Magic Johnson more than just on a first, you know, say hello, how's it going basis? 
I don't think so. From what Magic Johnson said, it didn't seem like it. And then, like, he kind of had some icy quotes about it. Like, should, I think someone asked him, should Rob stay on as GM? And he said something about, like, I don't know, you'll have to ask Jeannie about that. Yeah. He's like, oh, first, you know, it took a while for us to get to know each other and work together. But by the end, you know, I feel like we had a good working relationship. And then, yeah, ask Jeannie. Like, that's not a vote of confidence at all. That seems like you're just dodging the question to, like, not... Yeah, a- answer the question like in full, and like I don't, I don't know, what like, what do you do? Like what? I don't know. What do you do to like fill this role? Like who do you go get now what to fill this the, like magic size hole? Well, if you're the Lakers, like, do you need to hire this position, um, this basketball ops position before you go get a coach? Because otherwise, we've seen this with multiple franchises across the league where like. They have a coach, but a new front office exec is brought in that has a lot of decision power, and they're like, I don't like this coach, and they're gone. So do you need to get this guy and then go get a coach? Do you need to just go get a coach? Because what we're going to talk about is there's a few openings now, Yeah. and I'm sure a lot of these names are going to get started to float around, not just for the L.A. job, but for other jobs. Man, this is going to be tough for the Lakers to navigate while the playoffs are going on. And time's ticking, by the way, because you have LeBron James in prime prime mode to like maybe possibly one of his last runs so like you gotta make this thing you don't have like years to figure this out you have like months to figure this out well a lot of the names that have been thrown out there are are guys who are a part of franchises in the playoffs right now like Masai Ujiri or Bob Myers like with Toronto and Golden State respectively like I'm not sure those guys are really looking into this job right now but like you got to get this figured out now before the draft because they have a lottery pick before free agency because they have to make it work in free agency yeah absolutely let's talk about some other things and uh news speaking of luke walton he's now the sacramento king's head coach because dave yeager got fired that's just bonkers like they basically had said we're hiring luke walton before they'd fired yeager and before walton had got fired (laughs) mutually parted ways right let's go with your middle school relationship thing that's like saying hey i'm i'm gonna go date this girl oh and i'm breaking up with you like what i hang out with uh like I, I, I meant I hang out with some middle schoolers almost on a weekly basis because of a small group situation, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've had a guy tell me about that exact same situation. Like, there's no, like, what do you do? Like, he leads you to what? Forty wins? Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Yeah. And you decide, oh well, we don't get along. So our best season in like a decade, and we just canned him. And maybe De'Aaron Fox was going to develop into De'Aaron Fox anyway. But, man, I'm sh- I feel like Dave Yeager kind of helped him out. Like, on some level, I got to credit the head coach with that. And then Marvin Bagley had a pretty good rookie year. Kind of came around there yeah. towards the end of the season. Buddy Heald's really figured his career out the last two years now. Like, they had some really nice players develop under Dave Yeager. I don't want to say it's all Dave Yeager's credit, but... It- I don't know if it's all his fault that they didn't make the playoffs either. Well, I know there You're was the that, <laughs> I know there was that tension uh, at the beginning of the season when uh, uh, Jaeger made a statement about Luca, yeah. and like I mean, like fair enough, like made a statement that saying like, "Oh man, I wish we would have had Luca." 
But, like, at some point, like, you have to be professional about that. Like, yeah, you should have Luca. You don't. But, so like... So, make the best of it. Make the best of and it. And I think he did, though. I mean... Yeah, obviously, you're right. Speaking to the media, we obviously don't hear everything. But from the outside looking in, he seemed to then handle it pretty well. <laughs> Vlade and the other guys in the front office seemed to handle it pretty well. And I'm not saying everything was just perfect, but... Like, they got this team way farther than most people thought they would. Borderline playoff contention. Yeah. Like, you finished more wins than the Lakers, who, like, didn't see that one coming this year. Oh, not at all. Um, it's just funny. Another coach of the possible coach of the year candidate fired. Maybe it's just a curse to be coach of the year. I'll tell you, he probably would have. He's top five for me, I think. Because he yeah. got the Kings to probably, like, plus 15 wins than what I expected. So, yeah, that's a huge jump. <coughs> so, yeah, you may, maybe you're right. Just don't be in the coach of the year. Because right now, like, Mike Malone's not looking <laughs> super hot either. <laughs> like, yeah, we got some serious questions on that. Just duck that award altogether. Um, on to the next piece of news. David Griffin gets hired as the GM of New Orleans Pelicans. I like this move. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Um, this was a potential candidate. We like the idea. Knows how to handle kind of big names, big situations, like he's handled LeBron, um, Kyrie in the past. Now he gets the Anthony Davis saga, but he can kind of work through it. So I think it's a good idea for New Orleans to go with David Griffin. I like it. Son's name, James Jones, is GM, no longer the interim. Another, I think, good move here. Get some stability in that front office. You don't need to be changing GMs every offseason. Yeah, you're right. I I think it's probably a a good move. You let him have a year under, under his belt. No pressure, just kind of make it work. Suns, yeah, they're bad, but, I mean, there's nothing James Jones could have done about that this year. So I'm interested to see what he does, but I think it's a fine move. Depending on where they pick, he can't really screw the pick up. Yeah. Like, if they get the number one pick... You know who you're drafting. Like, it's not that hard. Now, if you get, like, the four or five... That's a different story. That's a different story. But I don't... For the Suns, they better be praying it doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um... Cavs announced they're not bringing back Larry Drew as head coach, which, like, I don't... Yeah. Like, you fire Ty Lue at the beginning of the season. Larry Drew was in the interim. Larry Drew's always the interim. <laughs> it's his forever role in the NBA. Yeah, that season went about how we thought it would. They were pretty bad, led by Colin Sexton. But Colin Sexton developed towards the end of the year pretty nicely, actually. He was, like, a 30, like, 7% three-point shooter i think yeah towards the end of the season like his shot really came around there so i'm not saying that was all larry drew but i mean there's something there with colin sexton and maybe it's just one of those we need to go find the guy who will take advantage of colin sexton i don't know who that is but i i understand the move not bringing back larry drew um yeah Another piece of news, Grizzlies fire head coach J.B. Bickerstaff and demote GM Chris Wallace to a scout. Man, that's the most disrespectful piece of news we've read all year. You demoted a general manager front office exec to a scout. Not even the head scout either. Like, that's... That's a wild, but that uh, Chris Wallace has been a long time 
uh, scapegoat for them, deserved or not, most of the time deserved, <laughs> and with with them things going well or not going well. So I'm cool with it, honestly. It's just disrespectful. <laughs> it's very disrespectful. I thought JB Bakerstaff was. I looked this up. I thought he was hired like last season. I was like, what are the Grizzlies doing? They haven't even given him a team. He was hired in 2017, so I kind of see like. You've given him a couple seasons, and you might not like where that... But, like, even your pick this year, uh, Triple J, Jaron Jackson yeah. Jr., like, Just he didn't play half you the season. You traded Mark Gasol. You had super injuries last year with this team. There's been, like, like s- super encouraging wins with this team, too. Yeah. Like, they beat the Thunder down the stretch. Like, they beat contending teams yeah. down the stretch. You saw, like, the players they have that are good or you hope to be good kind of were when they were playing but they just weren't playing maybe you just need to get a new trainer maybe that's it maybe you you just need to move the team from memphis (laughs) i'm just throwing it out there but throwing shade at the memphis grizzlies ah that's fair actually oh uh this is gonna be hurt you uh and your boston celtics marcus smart had an oblique injury at the end of regular season expected to return in four to six weeks knowing marcus smart he'll probably turn in four weeks and just play through the injury yeah i it just sucks that like it wasn't even in the playoffs like it was just before the playoffs and really a pretty meaningless moment like and i don't it just it sucks of how important he's become to this team and like he just does something that really only jalen brown can do and I have no faith in Jalen Brown <laughs> consistently doing what Marcus Smart can do, which is play defense all the time and then just kind of take the shots that come to him when it's, like, in the flow of the offense, well, which is what he's done this year. That's what Marcus Smart is so good about. Like, he'll just, like, be that, like, stable, like, uh, like just fighter and just, like, fight for every possession like he'll flop on the ground for you he'll dive for loose balls and like that's what this like Celtics team needs more than anything right now uh to keep them pushing through the playoffs but they might not honestly like if they get the right draws they might not need them until four to six weeks out maybe but man if Boston does make it through the first round and get to Milwaukee I would love to have Marcus Smart as just like another Swiss army knife to throw at Giannis yeah um, or maybe you just accept, like, we can't stop Giannis. Just put him on Chris Middleton and be like, nope, not 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 happening today. Yeah. I Yeah, it's one of those, like, this just really kills the Celtics. <laughs> not, probably not for the first round, but once you get to that second round, this is huge. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't think the Pistons can win? <laughs> can win anything? Come on. I, Come on. I believe in Ish Smith to a point. <laughs> OG Ananobi, next piece of news, OG Ananobi, emergency appendectomy just before the start of the plays. Expect to return in a couple weeks. Um, I mean, like, it's not that big of a blow to the Raptors, we thought, until they played a game. I would say they have no one to guard Terrence Ross now. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, probably not going to be the biggest deal, but one of those... Actually, it's probably an important piece in the second round, guarding Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris. Don't know if when he comes back, if he's going to be this elite defender like we think he can be, because you just had surgery. <laughs> but, you know, on some level, I, I believe in OG and Anobi, and I believe in the depth of the Raptors. Like, all right, he's hurt, he's not feeling it. Here's Norm Powell. 
here's Pascal Siakam, here's Kawhi Leonard, here's right. Danny Green. Oh, we have like five defender <laughs> wing options. Oh, we're fine. So no need to rush him back, I think. That's a good point. Uh, speaking of the Pistons, we just talked about them. Blake Gr- Griffin probably out for the first round of the playoffs, a.k.a. the entire playoffs. The playoffs. <laughs> um, that's kind of a – I mean, it's so sad. Like, he played so well in the regular season to get the Pistons to this point. Yeah. And he can't play. And we mentioned them last episode, how they were starting to free fall at the end of the season, and it's because Blake Griffin was hurt and he wasn't able to play or not be himself. And and now we're seeing the full effect of how important Blake Griffin is to this Pistons team. It's funny. Dwayne Casey said, like, I think a week and a half ago, like, he can't hurt it any worse. Well, well, here we are. You jinxed it. <laughs> Hurt worse. Uh, and then this happened last night. Unfortunately, DeMarcus Cousins' torn quad suffered in Game 2 of the Warriors-Clippers series. It's looking like he'll be out for the rest of the playoffs. Maybe can make a comeback in the finals, depending on how the schedule works out. But not really, a, not really a big blow for the Warriors. I mean, I guess it's just depth. As much as anything, he's got some talent. So, yeah, it's one of those weird ones. I don't know, maybe it's a rallying cry, though, for the team. Is like, let's go win this for Boogie. He's maybe that's get, the thing they needed. He's going to get that championship ring, he, at least. Played a game. And I saw a tweet about this. You think he's still going to get paid in the offseason, or do you think he's going to have to take another one-year deal? Um. Well, you can get paid on a one-year deal. That's a good point. But I, I'm thinking more of a Derek Favors contract. Mm. Just a lot of money, and the second year not necessarily guaranteed. That's where I'm kind of at with Boogie right now. That's a, That would be a smart contract to go get. Derek Favors also not playing well <laughs> in that Rockets series for the Jazz. <laughs> Could be worse. Could be worse. Uh, let's move on to the thought of the week. Matt, uh, what's your thought of the week? So... Mine's revolving around one of those pieces of news. Um, Mike Conley needs to ask, a.k.a. all caps demand, (laughs) a trade. They they clearly, this organization's a mess in Memphis. What clue do you have that? (laughs) Of Jaron Jackson Jr., kind of a nice draft pick, actually. I honestly don't think, though, they saw this coming with him, like, this quickly. So... A little bit of luck there, but you need that in the draft because they haven't drafted well otherwise. Um, most of the time it's because they've been at the end of the first round, but still you can find value at the end of the first round, and they haven't. But firing a head coach, again, it seems like they're just rotating through coaches now. They've been through like three or four in the last five years now. And then the GM situation, the ownership situation is actually a mess in Memphis too. I would try and get out of Dodge. Now, I mean, you just look at these other playoff teams. Like, I would love, and this is one floated at the trade deadline, like him being in Utah or teams that missed the playoffs, like the Lakers. Like, man, how good would Mike Conley be on the Lakers or someone like that? I just, he needs to get out of Memphis while he can. He's, his contract's big, yes, but this is a a summer where there's going to be a lot of money thrown around. Probably some pretty good-sized deals in terms of length. So, therefore, sign-and-trades. I know sign-and-trades aren't really a thing. Um, but there are options this year. There are going to be options either this summer or this upcoming trade deadline that I think 
he slash the Memphis Grizzlies could take advantage of to get him out of there. Because I feel bad for him as much as anything. Like, that dude's given Memphis everything. And they got pretty far a couple years ago. Grit and grind, that whole ordeal. <laughs> it was really cool. I think the best thing for both would be Memphis, blow it up. Just yeah. full, blow it up. Embrace the Bruno Caboclos of the world. <laughs> and just go with it and see what happens. Your attendance sucks anyway. Yeah. And then Mike Conley, you don't have a lot of years left. He's getting up there. He's 30 so right now, right? you probably got something like four really good years left. And then two or three fine years left. Man, go get yourself on a winning situation because this Grizzlies ordeal it's going to take two or three years to get back to the playoffs and that maybe just be as a 7-8 let alone a 4-5 right-ish hosting hosting a playoff series Um, yeah you make a good point there and like you think about the free agents like you would probably lump them in that like Kemba like 1-B type of players Yeah, you wouldn't want him as like your main focus but like Right now, would Utah want Ricky Rubio or Mike Conley? Ricky Rubio's getting just torched out there. <laughs> exactly. And, like, you just need to, like, Utah needs to try something. And, like... Because clearly, and it seems like that, that I hope, like, they have the realization, like, we don't have the offense to compete with these higher-level teams. So, let's trade Derek Favors and Ricky Rubio and a draft pick for Mike Conley yeah. or whatever the trade package you want to put together for whatever team. Let's put this together and just go for it because you don't like no team should ever assume like, Oh, we got a four year window. We got a five year window. We, that's not how it works unless you're the Spurs. Yeah. Like, very literally like no one else does it <laughs> unless you are golden state and you have three of the top 10 players in the planet. Like, it just doesn't happen. You shouldn't assume you have a good window right now. Just take advantage of the opportunity. If Memphis is buying low right or selling low, go for it. Yeah, that's a good point. And like you can, you can flip that and make make a playoff push. And like honestly, like I was a little disappointed in Utah or Utah this year to like only be up what to the five. And they had their their stars for majority of the year. A lot a lot more than last year. <laughs> Yeah, and that and like you got to get someone outside of Donovan Mitchell. You just who, have who to. Who can create? Yeah. Who can do something with the ball? Who can like you can actually rest and like things can like. I mean that's like Oklahoma City's problem right now. Not to like lump like three other teams into this, no, but like, uh, like yeah, Mike Conley is, is like think of the point guards in the playoffs right now. Do you think Toronto would rather have Kyle Lowry or Mike Conley? Mike Conley. Yeah, I know. Just shipping all of Memphis up there. <laughs> Grand Grind 2.0. Me the North. Kawhi kind of fits that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no joke. Grand Grind, man. That would be insane. Just like that front line of Pascal, Kawhi, and Mike Conley. That'd be really cool. That would be really good. All right. So I have a question for you, Matt, yeah. and my thought of the week. After last night's events, after the Clippers coming back from a 30.1 deficit to beat the Golden State Warriors in Oracle Arena, what's more appealing to you right now? Playing with a young Los Angeles Clippers team who actually has just played in a big game and actually won a big game, 
or would you rather play with LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers? So the question is, you are Kawhi Leonard. Who are you picking? Wow, my hands just grew like three feet. <laughs> um, uh, Kawhi. Oh, one. Because the hands are the difference between Kawhi and I. <laughs> um, man. I'm probably going with the Clippers. I mean, with, you got... With all the stuff we were talking about at the top of this podcast with the Lakers and just the crap that that organization's been going through, there's something to be said about organizations who know that, who, who know who they are and consistency and having a good coach because they actually have a coach right now. <laughs> and like... A respected coach? Yeah, and you see these like talented young guys around it some veterans you'd like to play with like Montrez Harrell and Lou Will yeah I I really feel good about saying the Clippers have a better forward future outlook right now assuming it's just organization organization what do they have cap wise young player wise I see the appeal of the Lakers because LeBron but man like they're just not as easy of a path Lakers. And that's the thing is like I was thinking about this today is like man if you like look at the Lakers and think like okay we could have a team but we probably have to trade Alonzo we might have to trade Kuzma we have to find a center we have to um, get some wing depth like we have to do all of these things first before we're a contender and if you go to the Clippers everything's there. Like, you have Landry Shamit who can come off the bench or just shoot the ball lights out. Kind of be your fifth starter like J.J. Redick is in Philly. You have Lou Will and Montrezl Harrell, who are arguably co-six-man of the years, who can, like, run a bench. You don't have to play it extreme amount of minutes to win games and you have doc rivers who oh by the way has like coached a couple big championships i don't know like honestly like and jerry west and like that front front uh front office is just like super smart and they're not gonna make dumb trades like trade trading away zubach for yeah no they're gonna get (laughs) mike mike muscala yeah no, they they get those guys, and you still get to be in L.A. Your owner is Steve Ballmer, who you know is willing to pay. Anything. Yeah. To win a championship, essentially. So, whereas Jeannie Buss, like, and a lot of other podcasts have been hitting on this point, so I'll say it real quick. This is a family business. Like, this, the Lakers are what the Buss family has. Like, it's not like they're invested in Microsoft or whatever. Like, this is their thing. Like, they may not pay millions upon millions of dollars in all kinds of extra staffing and taxes and all that. But Steve Ballmer certainly will. On some level, that's what it seems like you need to do to win nowadays, like to pay those types of guys to get them in there to win championships. I don't know. It's just kind of fascinating. Like, like I I think we talked about the Clippers throughout the year, probably not as much as the other playoff teams because they're not 100% interesting as the playoff teams. But like... They can literally do anything this offseason. They can offer free agents. They can make a big move. They can... I mean, they could... Out- I think that's the thing. Plural. Free agents. Yeah. Like, they can make moves. Plural. Like, again, you can do multiple different actions for the Clippers to make it still work out. Lakers, it seems very like, this is going to work. This one or two things, or we're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> 
and you have like they've done the legwork beforehand this offseason to make sure like we're not a dumpster fire right yeah. now like this team could have very well been a dumpster fire but it's not they're they're one one right now with the defending champs yeah and like they might not win another playoff game but you have to look at that team and think wow they they literally went like toe to toe with the defend golden state warriors the golden state warriors without any real superstar and like they just need like a superstar to yeah contend like that's exactly. it i know i don't know it's just <laughs> interesting interesting that's all it is is like the clippers and their dumb mascot whatever it is like the yeah stupid pairing yeah uh, <laughs> uh are better than the los angeles lakers i don't think any of us saw, i didn't see that at the beginning no. of the season Anyways, let's move on to our big topic of the day. We're just going to talk about the playoffs. Actual basketball, Matt. Yes. There, there, there's a ball on some hardwood. And putting it in a basket. How about that? Uh, let's talk about the one seeds first. So we'll kind of go west, east, ones, west, east, twos. Mm. Kind of alternating like that. So Golden State, we, we've been talking about it a little bit, so we don't need to harp on it too much more. All it's kind of fun, too. Man, they blew game two. And I just have this little note here. Lou Williams is the most unguardable player in this series, and it's, a, like, borderline not even close. Yeah. Even Steph Curry? You're looping, uh, lumping Steph Curry into that group? In this do series? I need to, do I need to tweet exposed hot takes? In this series, like, Lou Will can't be stopped. Like, every time he comes in the game, he's like, where's the center? Pick and roll. And every single time, it's a bucket, either by him or Montrez Harrell or a kickout three. It, it literally, like, it's, like, efficiency rate. Like, I don't know it. I didn't go look it up. Should have. Off the freaking charts watching it, though. Like, there's absolutely nothing that can be done about it. Now, maybe there's something to be said about Golden State had accumulated a 30-point lead, but I honestly don't care because they didn't hold it. Yeah, it just watching the first two games, not even just game two, the first two games... Lou Will was by far like the most outstanding player for me. Steph Curry got got his points. Yeah, got got some nice shots up. <laughs> Kevin Durant, same thing. Got got some points. But if I was if I had no idea like background on any of those guys, I would have said Lou Will is the most dominant player on the court. Man, he absolutely just like took that game over. Thirty six points and eleven assists. Uh, and what was his plus minus? He was a plus seven when he was on the floor, which is insane. Landry Sushamit was a plus 15 when he was on yeah. the floor in game two. Like, I, I, Shooters. I, I mean, like, I just went to bed last night. I saw they were up 30, and, like, I was like, that's it. This oh, is 2-0. I went this to bed before over. the game even started. I usually <laughs> record the games if I know I'm not going to stay up. And I'm like, I'm not even recording this. This is going to be just a blowout. And it was for a while. But, like, that that game was, like, the epitome of the Clippers. Like, didn't really think much of them. Didn't think it was going to go well. For the most part, it didn't. But they just never gave up. And Patrick Beverly is just, like, the epitome of them. Like, I'm just going to keep fighting. I'm going to annoy the living daylights out of Kevin Durant. <laughs> and, like, until it's, just like, unbearable. Yeah. And we are slowly but surely going to chip away. They came back. Borderline don't know how. 
but borderline know it's man lou will and that bench unit just going berserk a pick and roll is absolutely deadly i don't it'll be interesting to see what golden state does to switch to see like strategy wise how they play that pick and roll from now on because you'd have to think they would have to bring the big man up to actually like guard that hedge of that screen maybe maybe a little more maybe sag off the corner there there have been a few teams in the nba who they're just sagging hard off the corner and just saying kick it out yeah just kick it out and see what happens um and you just live and die by the corner three or the wing three and if it goes in it goes in and the clippers have a decent amount of shooting on their team (laughs) to make it work i don't know maybe it's worth a try I still think Golden State's going to win the series in five or six games, but game two was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Milwaukee, Detroit. <laughs> Giving them the business. Oh, man. Giannis, like, very well might be the best player on the planet right now. Like, just, it's not fair. <coughs> it's not fair to everyone else who plays basketball or just even attempts to, like, go out on the court with him. Like, if you've been to YMCA recently, you know Steph Curry has had an effect on the game in the sense that every white dude is taking 30-foot threes. Yeah. There's not a single person on the planet who can do what Giannis is doing Jumping right from now. the free throw line. He, like, was at the opposite free throw line, took a dribble, <laughs> and then was at the other rim, and he didn't travel. <laughs> it's incredible what he does on the basketball court. And it's like not even on the one end, it's on both ends. Like yeah. he will guard the best player on the other team and like there's not a lot you can do about that because he has a gazillion foot wingspan. Yeah. Good luck getting a shot up over that. I know. And it's like I think that just proves the point. Like the fact that he's even in the conversation for defensive player of the year in the NBA just like so much shows like that Giannis is the guy. Like he's taking over the NBA. Maybe his game isn't translatable to the you know, local kids, local courts, but man, for the NBA, it's it's it. That's what it is. And Detroit has no chance without Blake Griffin. Not, I don't think they had much of a chance anyway. But I mean, they, they went out the window with Blake Griffin's knees. <laughs> I mean, like, what? Do you, these one eight games are so tough. Like, we could have easily been talking about like both situations being two zero. Yeah, and you know, LA just had enough to fight back and that's just kind of that team's mentality but Detroit without their best player I mean if the Clippers didn't have Gallinari or Lou Will like they wouldn't have been in that game either not not at all and it's the same thing Detroit was hard out of it from the moment the ball was tipped like they're playing Zaza Pachulia and Thon Maker at the same time like Oof. it was incredible to watch I'm not gonna lie I watched the first three quarters of that game and once it hit 40 I'm like alright now I'm out you have to think that's the best situation for Milwaukee though getting to rest your dudes well oh, like, Giannis can play like 20 25 minutes <laughs> a game and they can still win by 30 that's best case scenario and then you you have rounds two and possibly like what Eastern yeah. Con- Conference Finals and Finals from there yeah. with a lot of rest. San Antonio Spurs and Denver Nuggets. This series has gotten really interesting all of a sudden coming out the gates 1-0. The game we're recording uh, Tuesday Tuesday afternoon. They're playing Tuesday night. Like how like Denver struggled in the last half of the season. Like what what do you see like that can Denver can do to bounce back for game two. Well, I mean, it was a close game, first of all. Like, 
it was only 101 to 96. So it's not like San Antonio blew the doors off of Denver. Yes, it was in Denver, and Denver's tradition like a really good team at home. But I'm not super worried because defensively, I feel like Denver should feel pretty good. Like they held DeMar to like 18 points on 17 shots. They held LaMarcus Aldridge to 15 points on 19 shots. Like that that's fine. Like DeMar DeRozan was the leading scorer at 18. And even DeMar's plus minus was minus three. It, it was really like the bench unit and Derek White who did the most damage to Denver. Hello, Derek White. Welcome to the NBA. Yeah, like... I know. Uh, introduced himself to Paul Millsap. <laughs> and with Denver, to me, it's just more of a scenario of like those three-pointers just weren't going in. Like Jamal Murray put up 17 points on 8 for 23 shooting, 0 for 6 from 3. Jamal Murray's streaky player. He goes 0 for 6. I'm betting he doesn't go 0 for 6 again tonight. He could go 6 for 6. Exactly. Um, he's probably more of a 2 for 6 guy, and that'll probably even out by the end of the series, however long that takes. But that's kind of what I'm seeing is you just go even look at the simple box score. Will Barton from 3, 1 for 5. Paul Millsap from 3, 1 for 5. Jokic, 0 for 3. Harris, 1 for 3. Murray, 0 for 6. Like, you just go down... And there's just not a lot there in terms of shooting that went in. This team's not a 6-for-28 from three shooting team. They're just not that bad. So part of me is like, play your game. Play your game. Trust the shots are going to go in. You were nervous? Cool. You still only barely lost. So this time, go out there and play like the two seed (laughs) at home and win the game. Like, on some level, like, there's not that much different to do because Jokic went for 10 points, 14 rebounds, and 14 assists. That's I, what he does. I think the most concerning thing there, though, is that he only took nine shots the entire game. Yeah, I would love for him to be like, screw it, this isn't working. Give me the ball. Like, post up. Like, just yeah. post up. Like, like, give me Jakob Pertl here on the post. <laughs> yeah. And let me just work him. Do your thing. Like, that's what you've been doing all year. Like, don't don't get away from that. Like, yeah. put your back to the basket and put someone in the basket. Yeah, yeah that that killer mentality of the post. It, it's not something you see a lot in today's NBA anymore outside of really, like, Joel Embiid. Um, maybe a select few other guys. But that's really it. And in that kind of scenario where things just aren't going great and your back's against the wall and you know, like... <laughs> You gotta win a game at home yeah. in San Antonio. <clears throat> you can't go to San Antonio thinking you're gonna get both games back because you're not. So I would love to see Jokic take over a bit more in terms of scoring. I just don't know if that's his thing yet. Yeah. Like on a consistent game in, game out playoff basis. You can do it against the Suns all you want, but what about the Spurs? That's kind of my. You're right, that is a concern. That Jokic isn't just taking over. But at the same time, I feel like their game plan wasn't bad. Like, yeah. it's fine. Shots just didn't go in. But this yeah. happens with three-point shooting teams. You're absolutely right. Like, I mean, losing by five, encouraging. But losing, it's not encouraging no, either. And, and, like, I mean, like, Jokic hits a three. Like, you're a bucket down then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, ah. Uh, and then, like, you look at Jokic's plus-minus, though. He was just a plus-zero. Like, he literally had, like, from an analytics perspective, zero impact on the game, yeah. which is kind of concerning. Like, I like going back to that point, you just got to, like, take over the game at some point. And, like, 
honestly, like, there's no one on the Spurs team who should, like, overly concern you. No, because I think they, for the most part, made DeMar and LaMarcus Aldridge take the shots they were fine letting him take. They took a bunch of mid-range jumpers. They, they you know, yeah, everyone's probably get to the basket. But they were taking the shots they wanted to take. They were taking the shots he wanted them to take. And only, like I said, only giving up 101 points. That's good. That's, that's good. Like, that's a really solid NBA defense. That's a borderline top 10 NBA defense, which is what they've been all year. So, part of me is like, Denver shouldn't panic. But I'm wondering, just because of the playoff pressure, and they don't want to be upset as the two, if they are unintentionally panicking a little bit. That's game good. two will tell us. Game two tonight. We'll see. Uh, another game two happening tonight, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Toronto and Orlando. DJ, I mean, who saw? I didn't see this one coming at all. DJ Augustine putting up the the game winner. Dagger. Outplaying Kyle Lowry. I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like I could outplay Kyle Lowry in that first game. He put up zero points. But you made this point earlier. He was like, what, a plus 11 in the box score? So he was, he, he was like doing something. He, like, he was getting rebounds, making assists. <laughs> he was, yeah, yeah, playing pretty decent defense for the most part. Yeah. But, man, kind of what we're talking about, Jokic. Who's going to be like, give me the ball? Just give me the ball. I'm going to put a, put this in the basket right now. DJ Augustine did. Nikola Jokic did. Kyle Lowry did. And Kawhi Leonard airballed it. So, Yikes. as far as I'm concerned, DJ Augustine is, was the best player out on the court. And I watched that game. Outside of maybe Pascal Siakam, DJ Augustine was the best player on the court in good, game one. Good for DJ Augustine. Like, you think his career was almost over, borderline over. Toronto, or Orlando's been made fun of for their point guard situation forever, but he's just kind of, like, carved his way here in Orlando. Yeah. Like, resurgence of a career. And I would also like to take this point. Everyone blamed, a lot of blame went to DeMar DeRozan for Toronto's playoff issues. Rightly so. They had playoff issues. Yep. But you know who else has playoff issues still? Kyle Lowry. <laughs> There was a nickname, Playoff Playoff Kyle, Playoff Lowry. Like, this dude comes up and puts up a goose egg in game one. At home. At home. Like, you're the substantial favorite. Like, Orlando barely made it into the playoffs. Now, I really like Steve Clifford. I really like what he's done with that franchise. I like that they decided to go for it, trying to get into the playoffs, and then just tank and get the 10 spot. Like, I like that about them. But I just looked at who they put on the floor last night, and it's like you're putting out DJ Augustine, Avon <laughs> Fournier, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic. I was like, this team has no chance. <laughs> they just don't. Danny Green, Avon Fournier, I'm taking Danny Green. Kawhi Leonard, Jonathan Isaac, taking Kawhi Leonard. Pascal Siakam, Aaron Gordon. Probably taking Pascal Siakam and then Marcus All <coughs> Nick Vucevic called a wash. Yeah. Like every single matchup along the starting unit, I'm taking Toronto and the bench, I'm taking Toronto. And yet somehow Toronto found a way to lose. Like that's just <laughs> the most Toronto playoff thing to happen. The, the most like discouraging thing is game one. Toronto and like as a as a fan of Toronto you have to know it's coming by now but like you just hope that like you change head coaches you make a franchise changing trade in this past offseason it's not even like 
your top guys like didn't perform. Like you get Kawhi Leonard putting up 25 points, Pascal Siakam putting up 24. It's just like you literally need someone else to do something. Mhm. Like anybody. Like Fred Van Fleet. 14 Statistically points. had a good game. His plus minus is really bad. But he looked like a pretty effective player out there. On some level, though, it's more who he was playing with, why his plus minus is so bad. But, like, he was the only one keeping them in the game when Kyle Lowry was out, uh, uh, sitting on the bench. So it's like, I'm looking down, and it's more the guys <laughs> I'm having a problem with Kyle Lowry not taking over. Serge Ibaka coming off the bench and giving them basically nothing. Norman Powell, he's having to play without OG Ananobi, giving them not a lot either. He's all over the place, sometimes not always in a good way. It's like they had did enough between Pascal and Kawhi to win the game, but not really anyone else stepped up. I mean, what do you... What are you, what are you what are you doing, Kyle Lowry? That's just all I can say is like Danny Green did what you want him to do. Shot some threes, played defense. Mark Saw made a few buckets, rebounded the ball well, passed the ball well. Like that's what you expect from Marcus All. It's literally just Kyle Lowry not doing enough. And also, like the defense right there at the end, DJ Augustine said after the game, I wanted Marcus All on pick and roll. So if you know like that's what they're going for to me. <laughs> and this isn't necessarily just to kill Kawhi on this. But like, why did Kawhi switch? Like, I know it's like your philosophy. Yeah. But that, like, the center's not going to do anything. There's right. two seconds left. Right. Like, just stay with him. You're the best defender in the world. Like, the switching idea, I, I generally enjoy. Like, I think it's usually a pretty good defense. But in that situation, you got to know, like, it wasn't even a good screen. Like, Kawhi could have easily just, like, taken Fought a over. step. Yeah. yeah, he just, like, accepted the switch, basically. And Mark Gasol, like, clearly wasn't ready for the switch because it borderline wasn't even a screen. It was just kind of like a slip <laughs> that just wasn't even, like, a they, real screen. They knew, they knew that Toronto was just going to switch it, so it was kind of yeah. like a halfway. And, and Mark Gasol, like honestly to me like borderline actually thought they're like this is not a screen like you don't switch this yeah and it's the end of the game this is a perimeter player it's a tie game he still has a chance to blow by me so Kawhi just stay Take with it. him yeah yeah so that's kind of like orlando <laughs> played it as well as they can i don't think orlando wins this series but it made for a really entertaining game one i bet probably game three is going to be really entertaining also yeah, that's a good point. I like like you said, like you look at these matchups and like Orlando just doesn't have enough to do it. But like man, and that's the thing, like I hope this is a wake up call for Toronto. Like anybody can beat you in the playoffs. This you're not playing the Suns no. in the first round. Like no one's just gonna roll over because you're the two seed. Like just wake up and play a game. Yeah. I does many players on this team have like that kind of killer mentality. Like, nope, not losing this game. I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, Kawhi might, but we never know. He doesn't talk. <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, the Oklahoma City series. Portland holds off uh, Oklahoma City's late push. And is Cantor getting his revenge on Billy Ooh, Donovan man. after saying, after Bill, or Donovan was caught a couple seasons ago saying can't play Cantor? Yep. Nope. <laughs> 18 and rebounds and 20 points. Goodness. Like, he went off in that sweet lefty layup to end the game. 
or <coughs> effectively in the game. They're just clutch. It makes me mad. It's like what what I've talked about, like I think last uh, two weeks ago on the podcast, last week on the podcast, when I was talking about Stephen Adams struggling, is like. You need to say, like, no, and his canter's not going to get 18 rebounds and 20 points on me. And, like, I know, like, a lot of it is, like, that switching, like, we're going to... And Steven Adams wasn't necessarily in place to get those rebounds, but, like... You just can't let Ennis Cantor get 20 points. How hard is that? Every other center in the league can do it. Yeah. Well, eh, and it's like, you feel like a Steven Adams... Box score-wise, he played a fine game. His plus-minus is bad, but so is a lot of people in Oklahoma City. It's like Paul George is the only one that like, you feel decent about, honestly. Because, yeah, I I don't know how you fix the Ennis Cantor problem because Ennis Cantor is such a unique player. Like He's like, that's fine. You're going to score on me. Cool. I'm going to get every single offensive rebound possible. I'm going to score every time I touch it. Like, that's just something that there's not a lot of centers who do that anymore, who just attack the glass the way he does. And he's so good at it. And especially if Steven Adams isn't in there, and maybe he gets Jeremy Grant on the inside, or he gets Terrence Ferguson on the inside, or he gets Nerlens Noel. Like, <laughs> those guys have no chance of getting the rebound yeah. against Ennis Cantor if it's at all bouncing in the right way. So that's why part of me is like... Can Steven Adams really fix the Ennis Cantor problem? Or is it just, all right, he's scoring. Dame, he's scoring. You got to shut down everyone else. I think that's probably more got to be your philosophy at this point, if you're Oklahoma City in this series. Just let everyone else, like, just get the ball. And, like, uh, Oklahoma City did a good job of kind of trapping and getting some turnovers out of that. But on the flip side of that, they also got some corner threes that were wide open yeah and not good switches coming back um concerning thing to note as an oklahoma city fan five of 33 from the three-point line paul george hitting four of those terrence ferguson was the only other player to hit a three that's not good that's officially certified you heard it here first not good (laughs) that's been the thunder problem all year russell westbrook's a little out of control the shooting is real bad. And if Paul George can't carry the team, that team's not really going anywhere. Yeah. They're the kings. <laughs> They're the king. I mean, like, Paul George, like, 26 points on 24 shots. Like, obviously, that shoulder injury is still bothering you. Mm-hmm. And the only reason they swept Portland in the regular season was because of Paul George playing so well. Yeah. And, like, I mean, like, you got to think, and I also have to remind myself, like, if you come back to Oklahoma City 2-0, it's not the end of the world. You still have two home games. You just have to win both of those home yeah. games. Yeah, because you can't go back to Portland down 3-1. It's not coming back. It's not coming back. And it just it looked like when Dane came out for that game, he he was on a mission. Yeah. Like, wasn't it like the first shot of the game? He pulled up from like 30 feet, and it was like, yeah, I got this. And it's like... <laughs> You can't, you can't leave him that far off. Like, you got to be playing defense from basically the moment he touches the ball. 
you can't just wait for him to dribble up towards you and then start playing defense or wait till the pick and roll comes and then start playing defense because Dame's pulling in this series. Well, like Oklahoma City got within like one within the last minute. Yeah. And like Russ was standing at the three-point line and Dame just pulled up because like Russ wasn't stepping up to him. Yeah, and I da- love that. Ice the game. It's like, what are you doing, Russ? Step up. You Like you know he's taking that shot. You know it, and it does, I don't know if that's a scouting report problem, if that's a Russell Westbrook problem, or if that's just this is the culture of the team. Like, defense, I'll, I'll play defense, but that's not my job. Yeah. Uh, that's Paul George's job. That's Terrence Ferguson's job. That's Steven Adams' job. That's not my job. I'll get steals. That's not my job. And in that way, like, well, if you're guarding Damian Lillard, it better be your job. Right. Because he dropped 30, and it wasn't the most efficient night for Damian Lillard. He's had better nights, but it was enough to get the job done. It's what we've talked about with a couple teams. Like, when they needed a bucket, he got him a bucket. He said, give me the yeah. ball. Yep, I love that. He He's one of those guys who will go do that for you. CJ will, will get some points to keep you in the game, and his canter will get some rebounds, some points to keep you in the game. But when you need a killer, it's Dame. It's Dame. And, like, he, I mean, like, he's one of the best shooters, underrated shooters in the league. Like, he can hit those Steph Curry range shots. But I think Rachel Nichols brought it up. Why is he, and we brought it up last week too, why is he not in the top five MVP conversation? He got Portland to a three. And I, I know we didn't factor playoffs too much into MVP decisions. But hell, like he's getting Portland somewhere. He got I, Portland higher than James James Harden got Houston. So you know, it's kind of those. He's not working with a lot, and they just lost what maybe their second best player in Yusuf Nurkic, at least second best player this year, and he still might get them past Oklahoma City. To me, that's a huge endorsement for Dame. He didn't really need it, but. I think that's such a huge, huge push for Dame getting more recognition. Absolutely. I think we can talk about this. Uh, this podcast could be renamed the crap on the Philadelphia 76ers podcast. I'm cool with that. Uh, it doesn't quite have the same like ring to it, but I'm cool with it. <laughs> doesn't get the same uh, uh, SEO as our current name. But uh, Philadelphia and the Brooklyn Nets, my Brooklyn Nets, are tied 1-1 right now. Um my note here is the good and bad in Ben Simmons in two games. We saw it in game one. It was real bad. <laughs> it was awful. It was really bad. In game two, it was really good. And, like, what what are you going to get from the rest of the series? Because Brooklyn's not going to roll over and die. They're just not going to give up. That's not who they are. That's not who Kenny Atkinson is. That's not who this team is built to be. Like, can like you can let Joel Embiid go off. It's like, can you contain the other guys, the Tobias Harris, the J.J. Redick, the Ben Simmons? Like, if you can contain those guys, you have a really good shot of winning games. And they just, like, didn't do that in game two. And game one, like, man, props to Brooklyn for coming out and just, like, punching Philadelphia in the face and, like, not being scared. Yeah, well, that game one could have gone real bad because the first two minutes, Joel just got the ball every single time and just bullied your boy. Jared Allen Yikes. got him like two fouls in the first three minutes. Jared Allen only played nine minutes in the game, picked up four fouls. Like, just had no chance against Joel and being that first game. But then after that, it's like, Joel, they stopped giving Joel the ball on the inside, and also no one else could hit a shot. And yeah, Brooklyn just stayed with it, stayed with it, 
And then the third quarter pulled away. Philly made it closer at the end, but it, it really wasn't even a nine-point game in that game one where Brooklyn won 111-102 because that was all D'Angelo, Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert, how basket about... Basket after basket. How about that? Good for Karis LeVert after that nasty ankle injury coming up and putting 23 points in a playoff game. Well, Off he, the bench, too? Yeah. Come on, now. And he just... He was so efficient doing it. Like, he just... So smooth within the, the flow of the offense. Now, yeah, game two, Philly came back out and was like, we're not letting this happen again. And... You know, it's Russell went for 16, Dinwiddie 19, Levert 13. And maybe that's kind of regressing back to the mean a little bit. But on some level, like, they were still proving, like, this is a problem for Philly. They can't defend speedy guards who are good at getting to the basket and can find open shooters. Philly's just shown that's a problem for them. And even though Philly ended up winning game two, um, 145 to 123, a lot of the problems were still there. It just happened to be that in the third quarter, because it was a one-point game at halftime, yep. that Philly went on like a 20-2 to two run coming out of halftime because Brooklyn couldn't hit a shot to save their life. I don't think that's going to happen again, at least not to that extent. <laughs> I'm not saying Brooklyn's a great shooting team, but they're, a, they're good. They'll get buckets when they need to, and I think the encouraging thing about if you're a Nets fan, you still have put up 123 points in this game. Yeah, it, it's kind of that age-old question of size versus speed. Like Philadelphia has all the size in the world to play bully ball and just like make this series yeah. just a living hell for yeah. the Brooklyn Nets. But like on the flip side of that, you have to guard D'Angelo Russell. Like who's guarding D'Angelo they Russell? They literally can't guard him. Or Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis Lord. Like, Ben Simmons is not fast enough. And within, like, a small setting where it's quick movements and just quick turns, Ben Simmons can't do it. Yeah. He literally can't. He's just too big. Like, his body's too big to turn that quickly. Even though he's just a physical marvel, not in that way. And then, yeah, J.J. Reddick's not playing defense. Jimmy Butler can take out one of them. Tobias Harris at times can take out another one, but not that well. He's closer to Ben Simmons than he is Jimmy Butler defensively. Yep. And then we've seen Joel Embiid get roasted in the pick and roll time after time after time in this series already. So you're right. I don't know who's playing defense because you can't bring anyone off the bench to do it. You can't bring in TJ McConnell. It's like my size over here. It's like James Ennis all of a sudden matters to this well, Philadelphia, like, Philadelphia team. Why does James Ennis matter? Why does Jonathan Simmons matter? Like, to the point that they do. Why does Mike Scott need to go for 15? Why does Boban need to go for 16 for this team to be good? That should not be happening with the with the starting lineup they have. Yeah. I don't feel great if I'm Philly, even though they just got a 20-point win. And that's kind of weird. Yeah. To get a 20-point win at home in the playoffs and be like... Man, I just something feels wrong. It, I mean, like you have to think. You said it earlier. Like something's gonna regress back to the mean. Like we're gonna get a couple more close games with these teams. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the way the series is gonna go. And we've talked about it all year with Philadelphia. Is like, man, Ben Simmons not having a shot right now hurts. Like, yes. like that. And like the strategy for Brooklyn is just like anytime he gets in the paint, we're sending a double at him. Like literally, and, like Kurtz or Damari Carroll. If Ben Simmons had the ball at the top, at the three-point line, they were literally backing all the way up to like the block 
charge, like a semicircle. <laughs> like they were just backing up the entire way. And they're like, we're even gonna let you take a floater right here. Do it, cause you're not gonna make it. <laughs> like, it was that level of disrespect. Yeah, I mean, that's the Draymond Green level of disrespect where they're just like, gonna sag off that much. And it's like, pick someone else, like literally yep. anyone else. And if you're gonna come at us, like if you're gonna get a full head of steam, we're gonna send a double your way. Yeah. And then someone else is gonna have to do something. Tobias Harris, JJ Redick, Jimmy Butler, who like can do things. But we haven't seen all of them put it together at the same time many times this season. Yeah. And so until you see it consistently happen, bet on it. Because I've consistently seen Ben Simmons not take the three-pointer and just force his way into traffic and make bad decisions. Like, if he had a corner three, even, like, it's been, like, you see reporters tweeted out who are around Philly, like, Ben Simmons taking corner threes, making them in warm-ups. That's like, crap. Just take it. Just, like, how hard, like, just take it. Just yeah. take one. Yeah. It can't hurt you. Like, honestly, if you miss a floater or miss a three, what difference does it make? Still, you're still zero points. <laughs> you're still missing the shot, but it might make that defender think about running out on you. Yeah. I don't know. Just food for thought, Ben Simmons. I know you don't listen to this podcast and don't care, but just food for thought. Let's talk about Houston, Utah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this is what we were talking about earlier. Man, Harden is just going bonkers. And Utah, I mean, there's nothing there. This To me, I didn't think this was going to be a four-game series. I'm saying it now. This is a four-game series. Houston's <laughs> running them off the floor. Just, to me, it's going to be easy money. I mean, like, you lost by 32 on the first game of the year to Jazz, and it doesn't feel like... One of your two best players isn't even relevant in the series. Like, Rudy Gobert can't do a dang thing in the series. Like, he's putting up points. Like, he's getting numbers. But, like, you're you're right. It's not the impact that we we think he could have for for Utah. And Houston just – maybe it's just the worst matchup possible for for Utah. (laughs) But Houston just ran him over from start to finish. And they're just like, we're going to make Ricky Rubio do something. Yeah, but it's not going to be Donovan Mitchell and it, Rudy Gobert. You can get your few dunks, you can get your your points. If you can hit some free throws, that's great too. But we're going to make Ricky Rubio run this team, and we're going to make Donovan Mitchell take any efficient shots. Someone else do something. Yeah, and no one else could. Yeah, I mean, you look at down at their box box score, like. Every starter had double digits except for Joel Ingles, and then their bench, no one was in double digits. Yeah. So, and that's me. It's honestly Joe Ingles. I need him to be a more important part of this team. They're like, nope, Joe Ingles isn't. (laughs) They made it to where Joe Ingles is not going to be a part of this. Rudy Gobert, in the most limited way possible, is going to be not going to be a part of this. And Donovan Mitchell, in the most limited way possible, you're not going to be a part of this. I'm. And there's no one else on this team who can, like, take the ball and say, like, oh, that's fine. I'll go get us a bucket. So, this is what happens. You get blown out by 30, and Houston, who ended the year red hot, is still red hot. Surprise. Yeah. And they have the second most valuable player, maybe the first most valuable player in the league this year, depending on who you ask with James Harden. I didn't think they've really had to even unlock Chris Paul yet in this series. Like, it could be so much worse, in my opinion. Yeah, that was the player who ended up burning Utah last year the most in the playoffs was mm-hmm. 
it was Chris Paul. It wasn't James Harden. It was Chris Paul. And I think, unfairly, Ricky Rubio gets roasted for the way he was guarding James Harden. But that's how you guard James Harden. You stand behind his left and make him go right. Like, that's that's the formula. Yeah. They just, like, Utah doesn't have the personnel to, like, defend it. Like, no. Like, no, that like, way. wing defender they have that's really that stellar anymore because Jake Jay Crowder's over the hill. <laughs> and and Davos Evolosha is too. Like, it's just not working anymore. And I love Jay Crowder. He played great in Boston. Wonderful guy. Loved having him on my team at the time. But it's he's not the same guy. It's mm-hmm. not the same. And they have no one else. And if Eric Gordon's hitting shots, if Clint Capella's finishing, if even PJ Tucker's hitting a few shots, there there's nothing you can do about this. I hope Utah makes it a little more competitive, obviously, moving forward. But... I'm not seeing much here. Well, that was the interesting thing. I think even going back to last year, like Oklahoma City blew out Utah in that first game, and then Utah came back and won four straight to take the series. But this is a different team. Like, you're not playing Oklahoma City. You're playing one of the two, three best teams in the NBA. And, like, personnel-wise, you don't have very many like changes, adjustments you can make in this series. Like, are you going to just start Royce O'Neal? on James Harden. Like, that doesn't equate to success. I still don't think that really works. I, I still don't know what it does for the... When the Houston's like, okay, let's just say it works, hypothetically, and holding Harden to more difficult shots or tough floaters. <clears throat> okay, who's going to stop Chris Paul? Who's going to stop Eric Gordon now that he's kind of finding a rhythm? Like, even Clint Capella, like, if, they, if they're getting Rudy Gobert to step up, like, it's just lobs all day to Clint Capella. Like, this is just what it is. Yeah. And you just hope you can score enough points to stay with them, and then you kind of make it happen at the end of a game. That's not Utah. That's It's just not them. And unless, I don't know, the defense just goes to a complete another level, I don't know what else they can do, and I don't know if these individual players have that skill set. That's the thing. Is like This could be one of the most interesting series in the NBA like playoffs. And I think you're right. It's going to be a four-game series, like ultimately. And like, I, I just I don't, don't see what be, but I just don't see what Utah can do. Like, what's the counter? There, I, Donovan Mitchell makes shots. Like, yeah, that's it. Joe Ingles runs the offense. I don't. I just. I don't know if that really does much. Does that cut it to a 15-point game? Maybe. That's about all I'm thinking at this point. Yeah, dire situation for Utah. They kind of have to figure some stuff out, like whether they should keep Derek Favors or not. And maybe... not. (laughs) Maybe, like, your only other counter is just to go small and bring Gobert off the bench. But even then, you're neutralizing... You're taking... You're shooting yourself in the foot by taking your best defensive player out out of on on the floor. I feel like that would play into Houston's hands more. Houston's like, oh, you want to run small? Okay. (laughs) Okay, cool. We'll do that. Um... Let's move on to the last matchup, the 4-5. Your Boston Celtic. Current surging in that third quarter from, what, 11 points down? Something some like that. To it was getting c- ugly. Come back and win the game um, yeah. against the feisty Indiana Pacers team. 84-74. God, what a freaking mid-2000s Man, playoff like, game. The Bucks had 70 at halftime against the Pistons. <laughs> <laughs> we won 84-74. But yeah, that third quarter where the Celtics outscored the Pacers 26-8. to Oof. That was it. Like, that was the game. And Indiana honestly made the game closer at the end. It wasn't yeah. even a 10-point game. Because for Indiana, 
Uh, Bogdanovich had 12 points and Corey Joseph had 14. No one else hit double digits. That's real bad. This is that concern with that with this Indiana Pacers team without Victor Oladipo is like who else is gonna step up? And your biggest offensive threat is Bogdanovich. And if Boston's like Jalen Brown, just make his life miserable, and he did. Make I'll, him run around. Yeah, and I'll give Jalen Brown credit. I haven't always given Jalen Brown credit this year. He deserves credit. Like he made, he like he got in his head. Like they were chirping at each other. The refs had to keep breaking him up. Jalen Brown played pretty good defense all day on him and other guys too. But it's just one of those like that was it. Marcus Morris kept him in the game early. Marks Morris ended up going for 20. But then in that third quarter, like you were saying, Al Horford started just going <laughs> berserk. Not scoring, but just doing everything else. What Al Horford does in the playoffs, essentially. He was the most engaged, active Al Horford I've seen in a while. And yeah, he only finished with 10 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists. But that doesn't even begin to like really talk about like what he was doing out there. I mean, that's kind of what Jokic was doing, except Al Horford did it with more intensity. Yeah, well, Al Horford can play defense. So <laughs> that's, that's also part of it. Um, and then Kyrie got his 20, ended up making some big shots. Man, that first possession where he danced. Woo! Got him. Man, it feels so good to have Kyrie back in a playoff situation. Like, you don't mm-hmm. see it a lot. He just, he after the game, like, he just so much took it in it seemed like like really enjoying like i just got a playoff win here in boston like he was like hugging his dad and stuff after the game like not just celebrating like really going into it and it's like that's that type of like emotion and passion like i want from this team like consistently and you have to think like there's been such more turmoil around this team all season it's like you just have to win a playoff series and it might fix everything like yeah. winning fixes so much like and, and like regular season games whatever when it comes playoff time if you can win one or two playoff series like whatever yeah. you sweep or gentlemen sweep indiana all of a sudden you're feeling real good sitting on the couch watching philly battle it out with brooklyn and you're like man we just walked through our first round i mean it's hard because indiana's going to play defense and indiana's really going to try and and push you to take bad shots and all that but at the end of the day like this should be a four or five game series but then you think about like looking ahead to the next round uh you either get detroit which is not going to happen nope. you'll get milwaukee who's without like some of their best players like brogdon could be out yeah. for that series you could get back like a hobbled um pow gasol. gasol yeah like uh miritich is back but like how back is he? Yeah, he doesn't seem quite right. So yeah, you're right. And, and even Giannis has had some ankle problems towards the end of the regular season. So it's not like he's 100%. He's, he's good, but he's not 100%. You feel decent. Like, you got to feel like, you know, if we walked through Indiana, assuming they get through it in four or five games, and we, we get a little bit of rest in between the first and second round because Philly's taking their sweet time with Brooklyn. I... This is one of those, like you said, I think momentum's real. And I said it last week, I think momentum's real. And Boston might be starting to get some. And if they can, if the other guys, the Al Horfords, the Marcus Morrises of the world can, that's what I need. That's that's when you really have to watch out for this Boston team. It's just like, once these other guys get going, it could get ugly really quick for other teams. And like Milwaukee, this, that could be a seven-game series. Like, very yeah. easily with Boston. 
not looking ahead, but looking ahead. D- looking ahead. We're, we're allowed to. <laughs> um, uh, do you think Boston takes this in four or takes it in five? I think five. I think there will be some game that happens where Boston's just not really engaged and and Indiana is. And it's just all clicking for Indiana. So I'm going to say 4-1 and Boston wins it back home in the garden. And that fixes everything. I think really that will fix everything. Yeah. Like we'll look back at that and think like 4-1, that wasn't really that close of a series, yeah. even though it could have been 1-1 or 2-1 at some point. Yeah. Um, man, what a time to be alive. We're, we have playoff basketball games going on, Matt. All the games. All the games. No breaks. Like games every other night, it feels like. Yeah. So it's nice. So we have our game of the week slash series we're most looking forward to this week. Matt, who you got? So I'm going to keep on the, the Philly-Brooklyn one. Um, not to just keep bringing up Philly, but like this is just the series that intrigues me the most. Just because I'm genuinely like not sure like what's going to happen. Um, so game three is Thursday, April 18th at 7 p.m. Central Time on TNT. I'm predicting Philly will win 109-106, but then I'm looking for a strong bounce-back game on Saturday in game four from Brooklyn that I think they'll take. So I'm thinking game three in Brooklyn will go to Philly, game four will go to Brooklyn, and we'll head back for game five after our next recording, tied 2-2. That's a, I like that. Uh, my Brooklyn Nets might might be in a knockout series with the Philadelphia 76ers. I love it. Good for the six or uh, Brooklyn too for making it to the sixth seed and yeah. just kind of like figuring it out from there. Um, my game of the week is uh, seasons on the line. We've just talked about them for the Utah Jazz. Jazz at Rockets Wednesday, um, April seventeenth at eight thirty p.m. Central Time. I believe that game's on TNT. This is literally the Jazz's season. Like, if you don't show up and play, like you're not coming back. No. Like, there, there's no coming back to Houston. I still think Houston's gonna win one twenty-five to the Jazz one hundred three because, like we talked about, there's just no counter. But like, if Donovan Mitchell is real, like, take over this game. Like, yeah. score 40. Go score 40. Even if your team only puts up 103, you Go, get 40 of it. Get 40. And just, like, try to make this game close through the third quarter. Like, we yeah. saw it with the Clippers. Like, just keep it close for three quarters and just see what happens in that fourth. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen, obviously. But um, just got to keep it close for a little bit. And hopefully something, a, a couple balls will bounce your way. Like, that's just, like, how basketball is. Matt, we're at an hour and 17 minutes. We talked a lot. We had a lot of news. We had a lot of news. We had a lot of playoff conversation. Do you want to add anything before we uh, sign out here? No, let's help our listeners out. (laughs) Let's help our listeners. We done. Stop stop it while while we're ahead. Enjoy those playoff basketball games that are going to be going on. We know we will. Uh, This is a little bit later in the week, but we'll be back probably over the weekend recording. Um talking about some more playoff games hopefully we have an idea of where what things what series will be uh going on to next by this weekend thank you so much for listening remember to follow us on twitter at nba couch pod and find us on whatever platform of your choice for podcasts and leave us a rating we'd much appreciate it thank you so much for listening and we'll see you back this weekend